Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Guys, or should I say guy, <laughs> Alex, we're back. We are back. Just the yes. two of us. There's no Adamo today, but he'll be on the next episode. I'm Daniel. As always, I'm, he's yeah, Alex. and I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks to all the listeners for this next episode. That was we have some breaking intro. news. We do have breaking news. Would you like to start with the breaking news? All right. Go Favorite up. of the show, oh, general yeah. manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Jim Rutherford, steps down for personal reasons. This yeah. happened what forty minutes ago? Uh, not even maybe. Let me uh, pull it up here. Yeah, he for for personal reasons, as they said. Um, I think LeBron confirmed that it wasn't health reasons. So that's that's always a good sign. We mm-hmm. don't like when people have to step down for health reasons. That's obviously unfortunate. There's so much it's uh the Pittsburgh Penguins have been through a lot recently. Mm-hmm. You know, he especially this last off season, he did or even like let's say February of 2020, just before the trade deadline, we'll start with Jason Zucker, for example, like from that point on and then getting beat by the Canadians and then reworking your team, like kind of recreating your team in a way in the summer, trading for Mike Matheson, et cetera. And now we're at this point. I'm not, I guess I should be clear. I'm not blaming, I'm not saying Jim Rutherford built this team and left. It's just been, this team has been been through a heck of a lot lately. Yeah, it's been a big thing. Um, I've been seeing on Twitter where a lot of people are commenting on these posts about, you know, look at two things that there's the 16 17 cup wins that, you know, those were amazing teams that he built. That right. you know, he kind of did go all in on a lot of these trades. He won a lot of them. Sometimes I forget, like he got you know Dustin Schultz for like a third round pick who fit perfectly onto that team, or you know he was balanced out Marine and uh, Mark Andre Fleury. But it's like what you said: the last few years has just been okay. Like what what are you kind of doing now? You're you're tinkering a bit too much, and like for me, what I'm gonna remember from this is just the asset management we spoke about. And the two things that really come to mind with me is that Derek Brassard trade where it didn't really hurt them too much, but it bit a lot into their prospect pool with the draft picks, with Philip Gustafson. And then Brassard was kind of like traded away with draft picks also for Nick Newstead and Jared McCann. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, you, his, his last few years, couple of years in Pittsburgh were – I don't want to say downhill because I think the the expectation was really high. Like you go from winning two cups in a row and then and then what? Right? Like last year they're out in the first round against Montreal. The year before that, uh they're swept by the New York Islanders. So it 
the last couple of years have been, you know, been not very good for this team. And, and I think it gets to a point where it's like, you want to say his, his reputation has been damaged a little bit, I think with these last two years, but I think the important thing to remember is he won this, this team and you're right. He helped build this team that those two teams, he won two cups in a row. Like that's rarely ever done. And the fact that it's, it was in the modern cap salary cap era, I think is incredible. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that everyone kind of forgets where, you know, we talk about the 96, the 97, 98 Red Wings, you know, that was when they had literally a hall of fame team before the cap. And when I look at Pittsburgh, I think maybe for all the trades, all the moves he's kind of done. Um, I think there's a bit of a silver lining he leaves there. Like, yeah, you have arguably one of the best players in the world with Crosby and then also with Malkin and then Krista Tang. And then they have like a lot of pieces there. But I think the silver lining that I look at are those young pieces that he managed to keep, you know, during these wholesales. Um, I think about Samuel Poulin, who's like a solid power forward. Um, Pierre Oliver Joseph and especially John Marino like I did not see that coming I think that that was a bit of a saving grace for Jim Rutherford the last few years like getting John Marino from Edmonton for literally nothing has to be probably one of the best moves he did in the last year or two yeah I I think uh, I think that's absolutely absolutely my god absolutely right Um, but I think the the thing with this team now is what is it going to be like moving forward? Now, obviously, um, for now, it's going to be assistant GM Patrick Alvin, um, who I believe is the first Swedish. Uh, is he Swedish? Alvin. I believe he's the first Swedish. Yep. Swedish wow. GM. Second European, right? And, after and, Yarko Kavikov. Yeah. yeah. And they they said they're going to start the search right away. Inter they're going to look internally, which I'm guessing is Patrick Alv- Alvin, and also externally. And there's a couple interesting names, uh, and I hate to have to bring these names up, um, except one of them, Patrick um, Mike Fuda, who obviously is now at at, at Sportsnet. There were rumblings, something about him going to Vancouver. Could he potentially, not as a general manager, I, I don't think, but could he fit in in Pittsburgh? Now we know because he we know he's really good at scouting. Mm-hmm. And what does this team lack? A lot of prospects. prospects. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a that's a very interesting thing because. I think the way the Pittsburgh Penguins have been set up now is it, it is a, it was a bit of a big hit because I think for so long we thought about Jim Rutherford and what is his vision for the team and he's always talked about it before in press conferences about you know he wants to see what he can do when you have you know Sidney Crosby on your team and a lot on Twitter has been about like where does this go now and a lot of journey, a lot of sports journalists have confirmed that the Penguins are still in a win now situation, but 
it's just it's still interesting to me that uh, like if Mike Huda were to come in, I think that'd be great because he'd maximize a lot of those later picks that I really think that at this point the Penguins are probably going to have to think about because you're not going to hit on that first round pick. Well, they don't have a first round pick <laughs> this year. So in later years, um, I don't think they're going to, they're still going to be, you know, at worst, a middle of a pack team. Like I don't, I can't see a team like Pittsburgh wanting to go into a full rebuild, knowing they still have Malkin and Crosby. Right. When I think of Pittsburgh, the, the another team that comes to mind in the way they can do things is look at what Montreal did. Now, I, I feel like Montreal was in a little bit of a different situation because they actually had prospects already kind of um, there who we kind of had an idea was going to be good. Now, the advantage of bringing someone like Mike Fuda in would be that you're going to get those pro like even you're not necessarily going to have those prospects by the time it, by the time they're ready, Crosby and Malkin probably won't be necessarily in, in the league just because Mm -hmm. how the Crosby and Malkin are, are on the back end of their career. And especially with those later round picks, like you brought up, that's not going to be something that's going to take a year or two. Like the, those guys are probably going to be longer term projects until this team bottoms out. Mm-hmm. So they, I think pit, the penguins have to decide what route they want to go down because they can go down Montreal's route and say, we're going to retool and, if there's a year to retool, it would have necessarily been this year. You have no fans in the stands. You don't have to worry about attendance and all that. I don't necessarily think that's the route they're going to end up going down. I think they're just going to keep tap packing on guys. Like you look at what Rutherford did this summer, bringing trading Hornquist for Matheson. Don't really understand. Um, bringing in Kasperi Captain, bringing in all these guys who are just kind of going to slot into your into your roster, including Cody CC, and what is it? Like you get re and you trade Matt Murray. Like what is it? What's going on? It looks like a lot of like not to say these are bad players per se, but looks like stop gaps in a way that you know you try to mitigate what you'd give hypothetically a young player where these guys are solid vets that they could slot in, they could give you the minutes, but they're not exactly going to elevate you to another level that we've seen previously with this team. Right. Um, two. There's two names. Well, there's one name. I'm throwing in another name as well, but he was rumored to the Penguins. If this happens, I, I don't know what to say because I think it'd be it wouldn't be very good. Dale Talon. Now yeah. he had the, the the supposed incident, which got, I guess, cleared per the NHL. Um, but and as soon as as soon as that was cleared, it was rumored that you know Dale Talon might join Jim Rutherford in Pittsburgh. It, if that's still an option, I don't know what this team is going to be like in five years. Yeah, because when I think about Dale Talon, I think he's gone. He's one of those GMs that has really gone through it all. I think that 
he helped to build the Chicago Blackhawks and he didn't necessarily lead them to the cups because that was um, Stan Bowman, but he's been at that level where they could see that, okay, we could get to a championship caliber team. Then he goes to the Florida Panthers where, you know, he completely has to kind of start from the bottom and it'd be an interesting thing. I know that they've had those problems with him in the past with these, you know, there's still allegations at this point, but again, it's a guy that, I guess part of the old boys club, I guess at this time that it's another option they could think about. Um, I actually, uh, before we move on, I actually had one random idea about it where, because I know Lula Morello was never a full-time owner, but he was always like a minority stake owner of teams that he's been part of, except for the Maple Leafs. And I was just thinking like Meryl Lemieux just like comes out and says like, I'm going to be the GM of this team. And then I'll be the coach of this team. If, <laughs> something like is not doesn't look right with me that would be the bridging of eras i think that would be very very interesting yeah because i don't know how that would work out like i mean we're talking about one of the greatest players ever and you know we saw gresky coach Mm -hmm. and for adam very well and for adam patrick wah coached yeah, yeah, he did. He won a Jack he Adams. He did. He won. Yeah, right. So, yeah. but uh, that'd be that'd be um, interesting. Anything else you have to say on the breaking news, Jim Rutherford? For all the things we've said, there haven't been bad things. It's just we're just you know looking at it at a critical lens. We wish you the best. Hope everything is okay, and we'll remember the highs more than the lows. At least me. I don't know about you, Adam. I, I will too, even though... Um, no, I, you know what? I'm going to remember the highs because he traded Phil Castle for Phil Castle, which got us Frederick Anderson as, as the and Kasperi Kapanen for a few years. Mm-hmm. Then he traded for Kasperi Kapanen, and we got Rodion Mirov mm-hmm. and Philip Hollander. So I'm not going to complain, okay? I don't agree. Like, I think it's insane that you trade for Mike Matheson and sign Cody CC, but that's a separate issue. Yeah, that's something that we'll overlook, at least for this episode. Yeah. All right. Next piece of news Vince Dunn. Ooh. That's. Is, uh, is he out of St. Louis? Well, I mean, Friedman wrote about it in, in uh, 31 Thoughts, and Cerevelli obviously reported that a trade isn't inevitable. But there's there is interest in him, um, and there's been interest in him for a while, even before he signed his one year extension. Now, apparently, St. Louis is looking for a first rounder. I I don't know if that's a, a that. My first impression was that's a steep price. Yeah, but there's, there's no yeah. term there whatsoever. Right. Um, it, I don't know. This is kind of an interesting thing to me because I think, I guess for me personally, I always thought Vince Dunn was part of the long-term look of this team. And, you know, I don't know what's going on with contract negotiations, but it's, it's a bit of a young guy on that back end that it's someone that I, I guess like they could afford to lose, but at the same time, like it doesn't look as formidable taking him out. Yeah, Dunn, it's such a weird situation in St. Louis in my eyes uh, or in in my opinion because 
like obviously he hasn't necessarily had that great a start. Um, Craig Berube called him out after their 6-3 loss against the Kings and ended up being a healthy scratch, I think, last night against Las Vegas. You're you're fighting for a spot because what happened is, right, they signed Tori Krug, they signed, uh, extend Marco Scandella at, at $3.25 million, and what? Now you just have Vince Dunn as your third left defenseman. But no. He's fighting for a position against Carl Gunnarsson, Leafs legend, Carl Gunnarsson, and Robert Bertuzzo. And I guess, in a way, Marco Scandella for that top four spot. That's that's tough. That is a tough one. Um, and, you know, he was taken off the power play. And, and then eventually scratched. Now, I know there's teams interested, but for a first-round pick. That's pretty high. And, yeah, again, what you said, like St. Louis, what they kind of have been doing with Vince Dunn is, is not exactly shoring up his market value in a way. Um, you know, I actually kind of feel bad because I had this prediction about the Blues in our uh, – season preview that you know things were not going to gel together the same way they thought they would and i'm actually feeling bad that it actually is happening for that it's getting to that point and but it's actually i thought this would happen like mid-season not at the beginning of the season yeah it's it's uh it's weird like they are let me just pull up the standings here it's it's not been an awful start they're four two and one in seven games it just feels like you know, they're minus five, by the way, and they're mm-hmm. second in the division. So that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one to look at. That really is a tough one to look at. He's he's also the second to second potential left defenseman on the block now with Victor Mete. Mm-hmm. In your in your opinion, are there any what teams do you think could be interested in Vince Dunn? I think a lot of teams. Um, we've mentioned them before, the Boston Bruins. That, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't know. It's just like it's so weird to me when I think about the Bruins of last year when they spent the first round pick to get Andre Kasha, and the Boston Bruins that we have this year. That I think they're a bit more cautious now. Where. You know, there's, there's really no guarantee with the way their roster is built up that they're going to make the playoffs. So I, I don't know, like, what they would give up because, again, this is a Bruins team that has been questionable with their picks the last few years of who are they actually selecting that even if you have, like, a first or a second round pick kind of guy, it's like, okay, did you reach for this guy? Is he really developing the same way you expect him to be? Who's not named Jack Studnika? Right. <laughs> That yeah. Boston was number one uh, on my list as well. Another team who who needs defensemen is Winnipeg. Just to short, like, and I know Vince Dunn maybe isn't the best defensively, but I feel like the one thing that they didn't necessarily fully address in the offseason was their defense. 
Mm-hmm. And just to plug Vince Dunn in there, I think there's there definitely would be an upgrade there, and he could be a guy you could have moving forward on the power play as well. Now, again, like I, I, I'm thinking we're seven games into the year for most teams, I think, with the exception of like Calgary um, and then those group of teams in the East who some have played three or four games. What team is giving up a first-round pick right now? Yeah, I that, can't imagine that. I actually had a second option about who would actually be able to use Vince Dunn. And it's that? a team that's really pressed against the cap, and it's the New York Islanders. Because, you know, they lost Devon Taves, and then they lost Johnny Boychuk, who wasn't really playing too much anymore. And then right. they don't trust Thomas Hickey anymore, who's on the taxi yeah. squad. So there's been a lot of movement there on their back end that that's someone I think Lamorello could bring in. I just kind of can't think of anything they'd really want to give up. Like, like I don't think they're going to give up a first. I don't think they're going to give up, like, Oliver Wallstrom. Um, you know, like, all I can think of is, like, Josh Hosang and a sweetener for them. Because I'm like, St. Louis could do something on that wing side, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's what this is going to come down to because he's a Vince Dunn has the potential to be a really good defenseman. Like he's only 24 years old. But right now what team is giving up a first round pick for for an RFA who's going to be an RFA at the end of the year? Like I think there's a difference between a trade involving Vince Dunn and a trade involving let's say Patrick Laine. Like mm-hmm. Vince Dunn is good, but like Patrick Laine, I think is a couple steps up there. Like that guy will score 30 goals in, in his sleep if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, it's just there's a lot of unknowns with this. It's pretty funny. It's ironic that Jack Rosovic went to Columbus. He would have been actually a nice piece going to St. Louis for Vince Dunn, you know, swapping out yeah. the potential RFAs. I know he signed that extension with, Columbus, maybe in his heart, he always wanted to go back to Columbus. So we don't know. Maybe that was that. But we'll keep looking at that Vince Dunn situation. And honestly, I'm still kind of surprised right now on St. Louis putting him on the block. But we wish him the best as well. Yeah, Um, I guess moving on, we'll look at the Chicago Blackhawks. And what was already a thin team has got even thinner. Yeah. Adam uh, Boquist, Alex DeBrincat are both on quarantine protocol. That is not a good sign for the Chicago Blackhawks. Like you were saying, you know, Taze was out. I think Nylander, Alex Nylander, to be clear, uh, had needed surgery. Kirby Docks needed surgery after his injury at the at uh, the World Juniors. Now you're adding Adam Boquist, who's an up-and-coming defenseman, maybe not necessarily at the moment their most important defenseman, and Alex DeBrincat, who, uh, let's be honest, he is with he's probably their second-best player at the moment behind Patrick Kane. Yeah, these were guys that, you know, as things kept getting thinner and thinner for the Blackhawks, these are guys that I thought was going to ele- they would elevate their game. And... I guess hold the fort in a way, but it's another unfortunate thing for the Blackhawks this year that they miss out on Kirby Doc, Jonathan Taves, like you said, and then even further 
everything's depleted now. Like, I know there were jokes on Twitter about expected lines for the Blackhawks, and then you see Patrick Kane's name on the four line, like on every line. And I don't know what they're going to be able to do this year. I know that they've committed to kind of a, I guess, a tentative rebuild, no matter what Jonathan Taves says, but. I think this is going to be an even uglier season for them if these things keep coming up, that you still have those issues in goaltending and you still have Duncan Keith at 37 playing the most minutes on your back end. Yeah, it's it's not going to be an easy season for this team at all. And whether it's... Listen, like they should have done this a couple of years ago in terms of the rebuild, I understand why they did it because they thought it was really going to screw up the fan base. Um, but now you're here. You, you have no one in the stands. Don't worry about the fans. Like not don't worry about the fans. And nest like, you don't have to worry about filling the seats. And I think that's what the, what, what the main issue was going to pay, pay money to go watch this team do nothing on the ice is very different than sitting on your couch at home and and watching the game. It's going to be tough, like no doubt about it. Trust me, like if and if there's people who understand, I think a lot of like all three of us understand going through horrible seasons. Um Leafs uh, uh, five or six years ago, Montreal have had their have had their issues. Anaheim, like it, you'll get through it. If yeah. I had to say something to Blackhawk fans, it's you'll get through it. I think. I think for me, the biggest fear for them is, and I know it's been three years since they made the playoffs, but I think it's just a culture of winning that you associate certain faces with how this team is expected to be. And, you know, I, I think there's nothing to fear in a way because Chicago, and from what I've seen the last few years, they've really hit on their draft picks. That they've really been able to kind of build up a lot more in their system. I think, like, one thing's maybe lacking is, you know, a goalie of the future, in my opinion. But I, I think that if, you know, if you were to take the two teams this this season, the Penguins or the Blackhawks, I think if you really were to go for the full-scale rebuild, I think the Blackhawks would be okay, at least from what I can see in the next few years, with what talent that's ready to kind of actually put out there. Like, they're not going to win a lot, but it's going to be like Ottawa, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. Like, starting with, you know, you already have two, and, you know, you can argue three with Duncan Keith, building blocks in Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. Like these are your leaders. These are the guys you're kind of rebuilding around uh, in a way. Plus you already have some young pieces already in there. At, at this point, it's developing more young pieces to slot into your lineup. And mm-hmm. I think, I think Chicago's is built in a way where, you know, Hey, they do have, um, do have pieces there uh, in the system who, haven't played yet and you know let's remember like they're not going to do well this season you're going to get another high pick like if they like they're it's supposed to be that a defensive heavy draft and maybe you know losing Duncan Keith in the next couple years 
you already have Adam Bockfist and a guy like Ian Mitchell. That if you get a guy like let's say Owen Power, like that's excellent a guy name. Ex- excellent name, <laughs> excellent name. That's a guy you can slot in there, and you know with the help of Duncan Keith, become the whether it's the next Duncan Keith or or the next whoever, be that next defenseman in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think that. That's probably what they're going to be aiming for. Um, quite honestly, like in terms of like the contracts too, like I think that the Kings are in a worse situation with this, and they've been able to make it work with getting more draft picks, with kind of bottoming bottoming out. So we'll see how that goes. Well, I guess yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say like I think what the Kings did well, and and you know maybe the black like I don't know how like the opportunity the Blackhawks have to do this because do they have it? Do they have the players to do this? But the Kings, look at what the Kings did over the last couple of years, trading Jake Muzzin, trading Tyler Toffoli, trading um, Alec Martinez, like trading the guys who aren't aren't necessarily part of your future in a way, and they're not um, they're not Drew Doughty or Anze Kopitar, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they got value back for that. You know, they got a first into with which turned out to be Tobias Bjorn foot um, Grunstrom and Sean Dursey for, for Muzzin. They got two seconds for Alec Martinez. They got a prospect and a pick for Tyler Toffoli, but they, it doesn't seem like the, do the Blackhawks have that though? Do they have pieces they can trade? Yeah. Cause I'm looking at it now and you know, they have, you know, Nikita Zadorov where, that was still a bit of a random trade. I think that they could have just taken Sod and, you know, let him play lights out and trade him for prospects, trade him to get something back. And I think they really had that bit of a misstep there where they lost a bit of value there. I didn't know why they got another defenseman um, like Zadorov, where, you know, I love the size he gives. I love the, uh, I love the grit he gives, but at the same time, it's like one of those players where, it's not a really hot commodity in today's NHL, that type of defenseman. Right. Um, yeah, like you're, you're kind of right. Like it, it's interesting to see because like sometimes I'll say that like, and I've said it before on the show where I've always thought Dylan Strom just needed the time. He needed the mentorship to get better. And he did show that to me the first time he like his first year there, but it's just been a bit of an up and down and the inconsistency is there like, don't get me wrong. He's a lot better than he was on the Coyotes. It's just, I guess, you know, it's time to stop looking at like, you know, the fact that he was third overall. If, if there's a time for Dylan Strome to shine, I would say it's now. Yeah. You know, you don't have Kirby doc. You don't have Jonathan Taze. Like if there's three centers, I can imagine being the, near future for this team i'd argue it's those three guys um but two of them are not there so prove like let's go like prove why why you deserve let not deserve to stay there but like why are you that third overall pick and it's not like he doesn't have the skill yeah i completely agree um from one team that doesn't really know what they're doing right now with the Blackhawks, we'll move on to another one where that just did a major move that we're still unsure how that's going to go. The Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, that's it, it's such a tricky 
thing. We tied, we obviously we had a full out discussion about the trade uh, last episode, which you if you haven't listened to, why don't you go listen to it? I even apologize to Josh Archibald. Um, now, the things we've talked about in the past, and I don't remember. I, I don't know if you remember this this discussion. We had a discussion about. Uh, playing line a on the first line and someone left a comment on the youtube page i don't remember who it was who it was i'm sorry but basically saying you know it's kind of a a system in in winnipeg where it's like there's wheeler shifley maurice it's it's a really tight group and it's like he made it out to seem like wheeler runs runs everything whether that's true or not uh, I we don't really know. It's kind of believable because I still don't understand. I, I I'll never understand why Patrick Line didn't have more time on the first line. Um, I I don't know about you. This just it's insane to me that this was this has been a discussion for for how many years now. I have. A rumor that I have found from it's from the mm-hmm. Finnish publication Ida Ida Letty Ida Letty. I hope I am pronouncing that right. <laughs> Citing inside sources, claim that Line was mistreated by some of his teammates and the bullying was nonstop. The quote is: Patrick Line was mistreated by forwards Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, and Paul Maurice was quote too weak to defy them. Wow, that's big. That is that is um, that is a lot. Now it says the publication states that Wheeler felt his position on the right side of the top line was threatened, threatened because Line was originally a right winger. But you know, it's a big thing. I'm also looking at too. Two things I get from this. Number one, don't you want to maximize your offense to win? Second, Blake Wheeler's 34. Patrick Line's 23. Like the way I kind of see it, like, and you don't know, these are all allegations, but it's just a kind of yeah. thing where, you know, he's a, he's a veteran guy, Blake Wheeler. He's the captain. And, you know, like you could like, in a way advocate for the fact that, you know, do what's best for the team because the jets, I really believe they had it in 2018. Like they had quite the team. um, And to kind of see it kind of go how it is now where they're still they're still a really good team, but I feel that there's so many things here that things have kind of fizzled out. And when you have you know that loss of that defensive core, you you lose out on a lot of the other guys because of cap restrictions. Like they had to sell your Armia basically to the Canadians. Um, wouldn't you want to do your best to see what with what you have, not go like let's just keep things as they are. Yeah, and, and like the thing is, I look at Winnipeg, and I fully agree. I I I think Patrick Laine should have been on that first line, and and he it would have been better. Like Con- Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Patrick Laine, I think that would have been a deadly line, a deadly line. And then you still have on your second line Nikolai Ehlers, who's a damn good player. Um, Paul Statsny and and uh, Blake Wheeler. 
that's not bad. That's not a bad top six, but I think have like you could say, well, you how about you spread out the talent? Yeah, put I promise you, put Patrick Line with Mark Shifley and move Blake Wheeler Blake Wheeler to the second line. I think it's better for the team than having the opposite. Yeah. And obviously, uh, when we, Wheeler was asked by uh, Jason Bell, who's the who's a hockey writer at the Winnipeg Free Press, asked him if he accepts any responsibility for how things played out with Patrick Laine not being happy with the situation in Winnipeg and wanting a trade. Now, obviously, Wheeler said he does take some responsibility. He said he he thought that he coddled that's the the word he used uh coddled a teenager at the time when he was drafted so obviously he's not going to admit to the things that the finished publication had had said because those are huge accusations but if what they're saying is true and it's not the first it's the first time i'm hearing of like the bullying and and stuff like that mm-hmm. but if what they're saying is true in terms of you know how it's of the, the it's a very difficult locker room in terms of you know it's shifley wheeler though that's it those are your boy those are the big boys in the locker room that's it then maybe there's a bigger problem in winnipeg than we thought yeah because and again, I'm not saying this is connected because we don't have the inside on any of this, but no. I just remember they were bullying allegations as well. What before Patrick, um, not Patrick, sorry, Evander Kane was traded to the Buffalo Sabres, where if yeah. I recall, there was something about his clothes being put in the, uh, the team showers or something. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So we don't know because like, I don't, okay. Like I, I know this is it's really different because it's it's different team systems, but the way I look at like you know projected lineups and I and I, I look at this stuff and sometimes a lot like even Steve Dangle said like don't you know take that as gospel, you know don't look at that as something that's gonna be permanent for the game or even like the whole season. And the way I think about it is like I don't see John Tavares or Evgeny Malkin saying, hey, you know, I should really be on the first line. Like, why am I always projected to be on the second line? Or, you know, I'm not always the first line guy. Yeah, you know, you're you're right. And it's I, – I don't know why, the, why it would be an issue. I don't know what the locker room is like in, in Winnipeg, but I think you're exactly right in – and something you said at the beginning, don't you want to win? Isn't mm-hmm. the end goal to win? Are you not going to win more if you have Patrick Line getting passes? Sorry, Blake Wheeler. Like, you're right. He's 34. He's That contract is not very good. Um, and the, maybe the last few years haven't been the greatest for him. Put Patrick Line with a guy who can get him the puck in a guy like Mark Shifley even Kyle Connor, we're having different discussions. We're having different discussions about Patrick Laine. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, it, it didn't go well, and they got a great player in Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, and, and in my opinion, I think he has a future in Winnipeg. I think there's different, you know, his dad being the co- head uh, assistant with Manitoba, uh, somewhat of a bigger market than, than Columbus. 
And, you know, he's actually like to his left is Nikolai Ehlers, Nikolai Ehlers to his right is whoever. I think there's potential in for that. It's just unfortunate that they couldn't keep that Patrick Line in Winnipeg. Yeah, because, you know, and I'll say it here that, you know, you and I are not Toronto centralists where we don't think of like, oh, the Leafs and everything else. I think we I want... sometimes think like that. Yeah, not you sometimes, sometimes. Not, not all lie. the time. <laughs> but yeah. I kind of feel that, you know, there was excitement that there were more competitive Canadian teams. And for me, it's, it, I know it's just the way the contracts are, but I think Winnipeg, in a way, kind of squandered their window where, you know, they can completely prove me wrong this season. But I kind of feel that the last few years, they've been really bleeding in terms of talent. And for this thing to kind of come up, it's just it's just another thing. Because, like, Pierre-Luc Dubois is probably going to do really well there. And I really hope he does really well. But it's... It's it's a kind of thing where it's like, what about the next time he needs an extension? What about the other guys coming up? Um, how are you gonna kind of fit things around? You know, you have a better defensive core now, but you know, it's not exactly 2018 defensive core. Right. Yeah. It. I. F- it feels like things have. It feels like things have kind of gone downhill after Bufflin, Truba, and Myers all left at once right they all left in, in mm-hmm. the same year truba was traded myers uh left via free agency and bufflin obviously decided to retire as well and and from that point on it just seems like story after story after story about patrick line about the locker room about this about that so uh, something it's gonna it's gonna get fixed hopefully somehow because i think there is a lot of potential on that team Mm -hmm. uh you know there's still guys who can still come up the guy they literally drafted this year cole perfetti maybe not this year necessarily but maybe a year or two from now and again that's another guy who can play next to uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois now or who could have played with Patrick Laine yeah. if he had if things if the relationship hadn't gotten muddy I guess uh, let's say yeah um, I didn't get to say this last episode but uh, just one last thing I have for this is it's just funny to me because I know that it it's how the player pans out it's not how the original draft picks were but it looked to me that Winnipeg traded their 2015 first that they got in the Evander Kane trade. Yeah. To trade down to get Pierre Luc Dubois with Jack, like by trading Jack Ross yeah. the next year. <laughs> so it's just it's a weird thing for me. I thought it was it was really interesting. Uh Kekalainen was talking about uh saying he tried to move up to get that second overall pick to to draft. Um, to draft line a obviously and how different things would have been if yeah. that had happened was would pierre luke like would probably he would have would pierre luke dubois still have gone third mm-hmm. would would have been, the would talent have, in yeah. columbus stayed because <laughs> dubois took a bit of a t- took a bit of time he took he a did. lot longer he, than he, line a he did i think last year was really a, a breakout season for him and then the playoffs it just it went right to the moon for him yeah and 
We felt it in Toronto, but that's okay. Unfortunately, we felt it in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Thanks. Thanks for the reminder. All right. Uh, I guess next piece of news, and it's been a big one that you and I have been kind of trying to decipher or understand a lot of the facts going on because this is all speculation at this point. But Barstool and the NWHL. Yeah, I, 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 I've been. Uh... I mean, you, you, you said you had been reading about it. So maybe if you wanted to start by giving some type of explanation about what has happened. Yeah, so for sure. Like, I know that the, w, uh, the NWHL, um, they've started their season in Lake Placid, uh, I believe that's what it's called. And um, in a, they're in a bit of a bubble right now. And, you know, it's been a big thing that women's hockey at the professional level is back that it's garnering a lot more attention i remember i believe they had more than eighty thousand viewers on their on a twitch channel watching these games so that's amazing to hear um especially based on what happened with the canadian women's hockey league last season and a lot a lot is going on and you know there's been a lot of things with you know this momentum of things and one thing in particular is Barstool with their CEO, Erica Nardini, that she came out and said she wanted to buy a team. She wanted to buy and she wanted to buy a team here. She wanted to sponsor it, but you know, there's been a lot of backlash lately and she had that bit of a video that people are kind of thinking, uh, what does this mean for uh, these like sports journalists that, you know, in a way they're kind of getting targeted based on what they've said from a lot of Barstool loyalists. And they've kind of called out Barstool for, you know, what they viewed as like misogynistic, racist, like comments that have been on the show, uh, on, on the network, really. Because um, one example was what you said, Splitting Chicklets. That's uh, always one of the number one shows when it comes to podcasts. Um, yeah. what are you, what's your initial, I guess, reaction to this, Alex? we were talking about this before we started recording too. It, it's such a, um, a dicey situation because you say, you say one wrong thing and you're just going to get, um, what's the word? What's the word I use? They kind of get like jumped on mm-hmm. for saying the wrong thing. I, I, j- I think the way it was handled I don't necessarily agree with how it was handled from her standpoint in calling out. Like, I I don't agree with either side. Like, I think listen, Barstool, yes, has has had some um, has had a a not great past um, with obviously all uh, all the things like the countless things ha- that have happened in the past. And I, I don't necessarily agree with the way she handled it with making that video. It's not, I would not have handled it that way. Let me, let me put it at that. I wouldn't have handled it that way. Um, and, and at that point, as soon as that video was sent out like this, mm-hmm. you kind of just knew it was going to, it was going to um, take it, take a next level. And I think right now, and, and I watched the, and the broadcast was uh, really good. I watched the NWHL broadcast on Twitch. I think right now women's hockey seems to be at this really um, 
not weird. Interesting point because you have the NWHL and you have the PWHPA and whether they say it or not, and it's, they keep, they seem, it seems that they, they say they're not, but they're kind of butting heads in a way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're kind of at a point where it's, people are picking sides but at the end of the day, I think the end goal needs to be is that you have to come together to to do this. And I think that's that would end up being the best way. Now, I mean, listen, it might take a couple of years for that to happen. Um, and, and if it takes a couple of years, it takes a couple of years. At the end of the day, I'm still going to be watching hockey no matter what, men's, women's, whatever, like whoever. Um, mm-hmm. But this situation with Barstool is very, very tricky because I don't think the way that anyone has handled it is necessarily the best. Yeah, um, just hours. This is according to USA Today, but just hours after Nardini's video went up, uh, Metropolitan Riveters player uh, Soroya Tinker, who's actually one of the very few uh, black players right now in uh, the NWHL. Um, she was credited as being one of the first people to really push back against that false narrative, like what they view as the false narrative. And um, she she says uh, and quote that we as a league do not su- do want do not want to support any from any openly racist platform. Point blank period. If you as the CEO cannot recognize your platform promotes that of white supremacy and only further divides the athletic community, perhaps we need to have a conversation. Please keep your money. So. It's pretty uh, heavy stuff there. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's kind of like a weird thing to me too. Like not a weird thing, but it's just something that I'd like to get more information about if I'm going to reword that carefully because mm-hmm. what we talked about previously, Kelly Babstock, who has spoken um, with Erica Nardini in the past is probably one of the biggest like stars right now in women's hockey that – there's already been like that connection with things. It's just, it, it's it's just it's it's like an it's like an odd thing to kind of maneuver around because, like on one side, like we've talked about, like you know there is that controversy with Barstool that they kind of have these like loyalists in a way that they're gonna they're gonna support the brand no matter what and yeah, you know, at the same time you you also want more growth not like you know in women's hockey especially like in hockey as a whole but like women's hockey especially and it's hard it's hard to uh kind of really like say like you know because in no way i'm not taking any sides or anything it's just it's it's just something to really kind of navigate yeah i i think you put it you put it really well um like you want growth in hockey but what type of growth I get, like what type of growth do you want? Mm. And I think that's the question that's being answered in a way at the moment. Because, you know, there is that understanding that, you know, there are a lot of those other players, like the ones in the past too, like who have been of color, like Blake Bolden, who was a star in women's hockey and, you know, Julie Chen as well. But it, it is, it is something to kind of like really do think about because there are people that, you know, and this is not our words. There are people that have been commenting a lot in defense of Barstool in a way where they've, they've said things and 
it's what a lot of people have also kind of responded to as well. Like, you know, uh, not getting too lost in those Twitter threads, but there's things where they say like, you know, listen, it's a, it's a pandemic, like, and you, you're, you're going against expansion and sponsorship during a pandemic for a sport. Like it's something where it's like, you should be appreciative of this expansion and of this attention that, you know, even in certain circumstances, hockey would not really get. But again, that flip of the coin too, where it's like, are you going to be supported from a brand that a lot of players have spoken out against? Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think you put it best. Um, that's another thing too, where it's a huge story. It's going to keep going on Twitter. Um, <laughs> for yeah. any listeners here, it's something that we really do encourage you to look at the video, look at, I guess, at the comments, look at what the other players have seen, have said on their social media platforms and you know we'll keep you posted as this thing goes on yeah um second piece of news is a bit of a controversial one too john chica oh former arizona arizona coyotes gm is suspended from any nhl activity until december 31st 2021 and that's for that's for the contract dispute not the um not the scouting scandal yeah, which may, you know, he may have another thing on that later on. We don't know. This is a is a tough one. And I feel like this one isn't over as well. Um, obviously, because there's the New Jersey Devils part in this, which I think we've kind of, um, which has kind of been just glanced over. I don't think it's been looked at in detail. And I think Friedman brought it up uh, on, on 31 Thoughts that, you know, next is what 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 part did New Jersey play play in this? Because you know, we look back at and and his example was Mike Keenan uh, back in '94. I, I want to say the year was 1994, where he was the coach of the Rangers, and before the seat the playoffs ended, he had there was rumors that he had a, was about to go coach. Uh, I believe it was Detroit. He ended up going to St. Louis, but the team, the teams ended up getting fined for that. So now the next part is, what's what's next for New Jersey? Yeah, because that's a big part of, I guess, this case that we haven't heard from. That you know, we knew it was going to be. Um, they said a Hudson River team was trying to poach him, and we kind of knew it was the New Jersey Devils, especially with how they were with a GM search, but. The one thing I kind of think about it's like it's just unfortunate in a way, and we we've, we've we've talked about the Coyotes a lot about a lot of the mismanagement, a lot of the things where there was that hope, and they kind of thought in themselves that they had what it took to kind of make these moves for Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall, and it kind of seemed like everything kind of just blew up. Yeah, it's uh, his plan didn't work out. What, you know what I feel like happened in Arizona is he kept doubling down on his his plan. And I think maybe that's where he went wrong. Mm-hmm. He thought his team was ready. He thought he had the prospects. Unfortunately, he didn't. And, and I, I saw a lot of people talking about this because, you know, him and especially him, him along with Dubis was supposed to be this next wave of GMs and they were going to be more analytical. But I think what Dubis did differently than, than John Chaika is I think Dubis 
seem to change his plan a bit. And you look at what he did this offseason, bringing in Simmons and Bogosian, like that's that toughness. They can still place. Uh, like, I mean, Simmons has two goals. Uh, Bogosian hasn't been that bad. And I think, you know, listen, the bar's low for that third pairing defenseman. It's been Cody CC and, you know, those guys in the past. But he's he's brought in guys who work and have that extra element. And, and plus Joe Thornton, right? So maybe he dug himself into a hole in Arizona, and that's really unfortunate. But we'll, I guess we'll see what happens. He won't be involved in hockey for uh, 11 months, I guess, almost, because it's the end of January. Yeah, and you know, again, it's like what we said, like that foundation he tried to build, you know, a lot of excitement early on where we saw the Clayton Keller, we saw the Jacob Chikorin, and you know, honestly, the steals that were trades that ended up being Darcy Kemper and T. Rotna. And you know, we, we haven't seen the fruit of that. And it's just, yeah, it's we don't we're gonna see how things go because he has that other thing going on where he's lost that guy with quite a bit of draft picks and money. So oh, yeah. I this will not go away. This is something that we're gonna for sure circle back to. But moving on to the two teams, we'll look at the Leafs now and I guess you know we'll talk about first I guess if you want to talk about the goaltending, Alex. How do you feel about that? That this is a rough one. You know the the um the Simpsons meme where the guy gets kicked out of the bar and he's just kind of behind him. And that's Michael Hutchinson, Michael Hutchinson for this team. Uh, obviously he was, um, he was, he traded to Colorado. I think he was part of the Cali Rosen deal. Yeah. Um, and then they signed him at the end of the year for two more years. Obviously I think it was, it was obviously a, a two way deal the most, I feel like the most Toronto thing ever just happened to them. They had to give up Dell for cap reasons and roster spot reasons. And not even like, it's what, we're two weeks into the season now. Now they need a, a, a good third string goalie. It's very unfortunate that this is the case. I don't know how much, like uh, Campbell's out, I think it said for a few weeks. We, there's not many the the next back to back for the team is February 18th which is 3 weeks uh you know i know keith recently obviously played um played campbell on a non back to back which was like the craziest thing to ever happen in toronto in a while so maybe we actually might see michael hutchinson but i have a a slight feeling that we hopefully won't see Michael Hutchinson. Please. I mean, like, and the way I kind of see it is like, maybe I'm just going to be hopeful here, but like, he's been tested in the playoffs. He's been traded I, and okay. he's back. So maybe he, uh, he knows something. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give you that point and I will counter you with, with what D like, I think, Toronto's defense has vastly improved, and, and mm-hmm. I do want to get into that. But he was playing in front of – or behind, sorry, Colorado's defense, which I think is a couple steps above Toronto's, yeah. 
right? And and it's the same thing, you know, I was having a conversation, I think with Mike actually was in our group chat anyways. We're talking about Frederick Anderson. And I think obviously Freddie had an odd start the first few games, but I think there is a difference when you have such a good, when you have a, a better defense in front of him. Like he probably has the best defense top six defenseman in front of him since his Anaheim days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're right. Maybe things will be different with Michael Hutchinson because the Leafs aren't giving up a hundred high danger chances a game. Like that's, that's, that is a possibility, but it took him like half a season last year to get a win. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a shortened season. It's a really small schedule, but Honestly, like I wouldn't mind if Frederick Anderson did play that many games. And the one thing I think about is, you know, we don't, we don't, I know he's played a different style. He's more of a hybrid, but you know, we don't see the goalies anymore. Like Martin Broder play like 77 games a season anymore. Or um, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be okay saying this, but we don't see an Andrew Raycroft in Toronto play like more than 70 games in a season. Come on, why are you doing this? To it's me? just the latest example I got. Why, I, mean, uh, I think Cujo also me? played that many games one year too. That's a, I like that example. Okay. <laughs> I don't mind Curtis Joseph. I don't. But um, yeah, sorry. It's going to be heavy, heavy load on Freddie. I think, again, what he said too, like, you know, he started out cold. Maybe he needs a bit of the volume. Um, but again, yeah, like, I, I, I'm surprised on how many injuries have already piled up for the Leafs. Yeah, it's um, it's tough right now. It's Cam first. Like first, it was Robertson. Then the next game, it was Thornton, and now and now it's it, it's Jack Campbell, and it's really taking a um, it's gonna it's taking a hit. And we we had this this we've had this whole discussion. You know, Toronto has all this depth now, and now it's being tested. It really yeah. is being tested. Um, and obviously last night. We saw um, Joey Anderson and Travis Boyd make their Toronto Maple Leafs debut. I thought, you know, obviously Travis Boyd got that goal. I think Boyd played, I think that fourth line really wasn't bad. Um, obviously, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. No, it was, they, they, they had a decent, decent first period. There, it, last night's game was something else. It was kind of like a, Start really well, and then just. Oh. I guess that gets us to our next point. Um, and I maybe it's connected to the Calgary series, but is this team still ruining your life? Sometimes, Sometimes. like it's like we're not allowed to have a you know a rest rest night, a stress free night where we can just sit back and watch the game. It's got to be either like. The thing was, it's like even that Edmonton game. I think we talked about last episode, which was so boring, which was so unleaf like. It's like that's still a stressful night because, like, man, just you, we, we know we can, you can do it. We know mm -hmm. you can put the puck in the net, and you're not. And the game is so close. And last night you're up three one, or were they up three nothing? I think at some point, and mm -hmm. and then it's three three. Why? Why are you doing this? Why? Why you got to do this? Like they held the Calgary Flames to one shot in the first period and they got outshot. Like, I think it was about 23 to six the rest of the game. They want to keep you on your heels. Like they just <laughs> want to give people just 
I, I don't know what to describe it as. It's like, oh, I hate it. But I love this team so much. You just can't um, stop. You can't stop no, watching. I can't, I can't. Um, I'm not like Mike. I can stick with one team. I hope he's <laughs> listening to this too. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, I'm just loyal to the Leafs. But uh, I guess like one point we could kind of go to that is, is Matthew Kachuk enemy number one in Toronto now? Uh, he'll be enemy number one the next time we play them. I've already forgotten about Matthew Kachuk. Yeah? Yeah. When I first saw that, because uh, I know they're best buddies from their uh, cup-winning days, but like, do you think Jake Muzzin thought of Drew Doughty when he flipped the puck to Matthew yes. Kachuk? I, yes. I think he might have. Yeah? I think he might have. Because uh, you can see he had this big smile. I don't know if you've seen the, the image of mm-hmm. the big f- smile on his face. Yes, yeah, as, that as they get into the into the uh, scrub. Listen, like here's the thing, and, and I was saying this last night. I'm not surprised that the guys in Calgary now are, are complaining about about this, saying you know it's bush league, this, it's garbage, this. Okay, you live in Calgary, right? Like these people, not you specifically, Daniel. I mean, just the people <laughs> in general. Like you watch Matthew Kachuk. You know he is, is is a pest. And he does some things that might not be, that, that are Bush League. That are 100% Bush League. So now it's, an, now it's an issue because it was someone else. Like that, listen, during those like 60 or three hours, pretty much almost three hours. I am a Leafs Homer. No question mm-hmm. about it. No, I will not deny that when I'm watching that game, I'm Leafs, Leafs, Leafs. But when I take myself out of that, I mean, like, listen, I'm still going to have some, some bias like, for the Leafs. Like that discussion we had about who's going to finish first in, in, in the Canadian division. I put Toronto, Adam put Montreal. It is what it is. Mm. But to now call that Bush League, okay, yeah, it's Bush League. So next time Matthew Kachuk plays some games, and I'm not even going to address the the Jack Campbell incident because I, I, I don't know if that's – it's it was an iffy thing. Like, you know, right, like he was falling. Did he have to fall right on his head? Probably not. Who knows? Like, you're, I'm not there. I wasn't there in that situation. I didn't. I did take physics for two years, but I didn't do the, didn't look at the physics of the fall. <clears throat> so, whatever. But let's remember who does the most, but like a lot of bush league things in this league before you go and start melding off. Mm, and it really reminds me too of you know, you you take what you kind of dish out because I think right. of Brad Marchand on two situations where two separate incidents where, you know, he's a guy that's kind of going here and there. He's kind of being that pest that we always know him as. And then you'll see the PK Subban check on him, or you'll see the Ryan Lindgren reaction to him last season where these things kind of happen. And then he kind of speaks out in the media and it's kind of like same run of the mill kind of thing. But the one thing that kind of separated for me was that Matthew Kachuk reaction on the bench when they were leaving. Like I have never seen that before. (laughs) That was uh... That was so funny. I'm not gonna lie. That was something where I I don't I don't know. Like I know he's a young guy, but he's not a super young guy. Something something set that guy off. I don't know <laughs> what it was. Yeah, like we don't know what was spoken on the ice, but it was 
probably some not nice things. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, like he 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 does play that way. He is the guy that's going to be known for it. But you know, same thing too. Like, kudos to the Leafs in a way that I know that people are going to be like, "Oh, Bush League of flipping the puck kind of thing." But the one thing I kind of take for them is how the team kind of came together. It's that's kind of something that we've seen <laughs> from before, where the team that has come perfect. together. Where uh, was, <laughs> you know you have like we talked about you know that accountability, that leadership kind of thing, yeah. and I think. You know, for what has been thrown at them this year, they've really shown it that they've really kind of said that we didn't want to keep how things were last season and we got these new guys. And it, it is a bit of a good mix here where you have those guys trying to prove themselves. You have those veterans who finally feel that, you know, they they can play their game. They have those guys who are all emerging. And I think it's just all coming together in a way that these incidents are still going to happen. But you know, I'd rather these things happen than they, them keep playing it safe. Yeah, I, I think, and I think we talked about this last episode too, like the fact that the Leafs have this depth, it's keeping those bottom six guys in check. Saying, hey, like you have to keep that game up because, you know, Engvall's sitting on the sidelines. Boyd is sitting on the sidelines. Spezza is sitting on, like whoever's sitting on the sidelines that night who can easily replace you. Travis Dermott. On the Travis Dermott last night, right? So, and, and it's it keeps them in check in in that in that way. But another thing, and I think with the additions they made, the the uh, the team's a little more, I guess, uh, let's say, chippy mm-hmm. in in the way they uh, conduct themselves. Sometimes, like it's okay. Like, hey, if someone falls on Freddie. I have no, like, I think I have confidence in this team that someone will go after them. Like, if they fall on Freddie, like, on purpose. Like, the way, I don't remember uh, who it was, but I remember Justin Hall throwing him off. Obviously, he got the two-minute minor for, I guess, roughing um, there, which was unfortunate. Maybe he took it a little too far, but at least he did something because for the last five years... I, or four years, I felt like I've been watching this team get manhandled and no one do a single thing about it. Yeah, and I think one thing I kind of take from that is that you don't have to have two extremes anymore where you've said before that you have these guys like Simmons, you have these guys like Bogosian, these guys could actually be productive on both right. sides of the ice. That I remember, and you know, this is going to be a bit of a throwback, but I remember when Randy Carlo comes in, he's like, you know, this team's not tough enough. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna play Corbinian Holzer, Keith Ollie, uh, Fraser McLaren, and Colton Orr all on the same night. And you know it's great. Like yeah, you have that toughness, but you're gonna also have to have these guys that can help you in the offensive zone. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I know sorry, it was a bit of a painful my, memory my, there. I was too. gonna say why. <laughs> my first question: Why? I just thought about that because like <laughs> when I remember, you know, for all the bad times there were for those seasons. A lot of bad times. Yeah. You'll see, like, you know, Phil Castle get a cheap check, but you'll see the Leafs respond to it. And that was something that I think about now that that's something that Toronto needs because, and I'm not saying it's from the critics. I'm just saying for how the team plays, you know, you have to really balance out that skill. You're right. And and I feel like every time I talk about this team, I'm always – 
you know, skill, 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 whatever, like that. I think this chippiness that they have is is a very important is very important to the next step for this team. The but the arguments that I think other people were making is you know we need that fourth line goon. No, we don't. Those don't exist. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, what, you obviously that Anaheim example. I think it's Delorier, Carter, Rowney, and um, Derek Grant. Derek Grant. Like that's a very tough tough fourth line in terms of in terms of like beating the crap out of somebody if they had to but like what else are they what else are they gonna do right like those Mm. fourth line goons don't necessarily exist in large numbers and is it necessary is it more important to have a guy like wayne simmons on your lineup in your lineup who can beat the crap out of somebody if he if he needs to and also do be somewhat skillful or is it better to have a full out brawling fourth line i think the first one is it, it is better for this team for sure i think like they've adapted so well to it and i guess with the next team we're going to go on uh, without Adam here is the Habs that oh, they've, before, they've been able to find. Oh yes. Go on. Before we, before we go to the Habs, mm-hmm. I want to shout out one player because right. he keeps proving me wrong every single time. All right. It is Justin Hall. First off the hair. Absolutely. Fantastic. It's great. Okay? That guy has a flow like no tomorrow, but and, and maybe this goes back to what we were talking about before with the offensive depth. I think the same could be said with the defensive depth. You know, they have, let's say, their top six. You know who's waiting outside of the top six? Uh, Miko Lettinen, who obviously played last night, but Miko Lettinen, uh, Rasmus Sandin, and Timothy Lilligren. And then Martin Marincin. Some right? quality but guys there. And Kale Rosen, yeah. right? So He's back. He's back. Yeah. <laughs> He, there, there's guys behind him, and I think it's really pushed Justin Hall because after he got that three-year contract extension, the rest of the year was very, very bumpy for him. And I want to give him props because I think, like, I know I gave him a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. I gave Justin Hall a lot of crap last year. And, you know, the year before, he was scratched 71 times. I didn't write an apology, but I want to apologize to Justin Hall because that guy has been an absolute legend yeah for sure a lot of people uh questioned his his role in the top four they're saying that he was overvalued as a right hand shot but you know he's really brought it this year and that's that's really reassuring and hopefully well it very kind of looks like it now that you know that contract people kind of talk about is going to be a bargain hopefully yeah any more final thoughts for the leafs no all right so we'll go to a team that you know balance out that skill with these boulders here and there on their right side, the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, they have, uh, they've been probably the, the best team in the league so far. Like, I mean, they're, they have two games in hand over Toronto. I mean, they are two points behind them, but I, I mean, like they, I think they've been the best team in, in, in the league so far. They've, really kind of shown that they can throw whatever they can and get production from any line. And that's been 
a big difference. Um, I've talked to Adam before about it where I think the meter for me is like, are Terry Lekkonen's not playing, you know, in your top six anymore? Or, uh, you know, I was ecstatic when Corey Perry came into the lineup and they get a goal from him that they've been able to find a lot of these guys that have added the size, but they haven't compromised the same thing Toronto has on that offensive skill set. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I definitely agree with you. And, and what they've done too, and I think Adam would say the same thing is they've really filled their depth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our Joel, Armia and Paul Byron are now are, are, are out. And I think they found ways to fill those roles like Jake Evans and then Corey Perry, who's on, who's, who played, you know, they still have Michael, Fro- Michael Froelich it, it, on the taxi squad. So, like, they, they're prepared. They, they came prepared. They did not come. Like, this is no joke of a team. And I think we all had this, and, and in my opinion, like, I had this idea that, you know, Montreal is going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, they added all these pieces, uh, Anderson, uh, Toffoli, Perry, uh, Edmondson, you know, bringing back, bringing in Romanov from Russia and, and obviously Jake Allen, but, and then Suzuki and Kakanyemi are a year older and are getting better. Like they're a really, really damn good team. I don't think people expected them to be this good. That's the big thing. I kind of feel, uh, I, I myself was not really a skeptic of it. I knew they were going to get better, but like as the signings kept coming and coming, I was like, okay, you know, they're, they're, they're doing something here. And I guess that big thing, and I'm still really proud that I got to predict it, but Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. Wow. What a signing he's been for, for the Habs. What like that fit that when we thought the Vancouver fit was great, like wait until see the Montreal fit with Tyler Toffoli, because that has been something that, I did not see coming. Yeah, it, it, it was so funny when you got that right because it's like no one like it was a ra- like even you would admit it, it was a random. It seemed like a random pick at the time. Like who would have guessed Tyler Toffoli was going to Montreal? Like we we had an idea they were in on Taylor Hall. Um, we had an idea they were in on Mike Hoffman, but Tyler Toffoli the name that name kind of came out of uh, came out of nowhere. I, I I'm making a bold prediction. Mm-hmm. I'm making a bold prediction. The fi- the division finals will be the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Montreal Canadiens. Wow. You know it's one thing I'm going to I don't know about. if it's that bold yeah. though. I don't know if it's that bold cuz I still have them finishing 1 and 2. Um but it's my bold cuz the Leafs never made it past the first round in a while if you haven't noticed. But it's my bold <laughs> prediction. After each game, and we have an episode, how is that going to be? On <laughs> like, how it's are you and Adam going to be? I think Adam and I will be fine. We're going to be fine. We've been pretty good. Uh, we've been pretty good the last uh, two and a half years. We've been friends, and the Leafs and Habs mm-hmm. have played. Of course, of course. And a big thing too. Uh, shout out to Adam right now. But the Habs returned to Montreal. Yeah, finally. I didn't even realize they weren't playing at home if i'm they were honest. so good on the road i was like where is this coming from well we know where it's from because we actually have to applaud mark bergevin now so 
yeah, I think that's uh, going to be a big thing. It's kind of ironic because Adam is coming back to Toronto as they're going to Montreal. So that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, like the Habs, they finally get to get some home ice. Um, That'll be nice. Been on the road for quite some time. They're going to bring back that momentum. And I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to think what jersey will Adam wear. For the, hope, for the hope opener yes oh. for the next episode i guess yeah tonight home opener or uh you know what 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 he's gonna bring next time because i've, I've been seeing that jonathan drew and jersey in his videos a lot lately maybe i'll pull uh pull something else out i guess we'll see good um tyler foley you know what oh. we said before first star and we gotta what, we gotta do the shout out though shout for, out all right uh, john gibson coming in third <laughs> That guy has been an absolute beast. Like I was looking at his numbers, and for the team he's the team he's playing behind. And I don't know how um, I'm gonna check right now how Anaheim have necessarily fared. Like they're fifth in the division. They're three, two, and two. That's obviously only seven games. But John Gibson has been a beast. Yeah, it's pretty funny. He has two shutouts this year, and they've been both wins of one nothing because only one person actually scores in those games. And it's always been a random guy. They're finally getting production from a lot of their depth. But again, like I'm not gonna go on this for too long. But John Gibson, he was my Vesna pick. I think that he continues to do it. I think they mentioned that they're gonna try to play Ryan Miller a bit more, so he gets a bit of the rest this time. But I'm just happy with him. And a shout out to him for wearing the Kobe Bryant mask yesterday. Yes, yes, yes. That was amazing. Are they playing tonight, Anaheim? Maybe he'll wear that tonight as well. They played last night. Uh, Did he wear it during the game? Because I know uh, 24 1. Listen, I think if, listen, if John Gibson uh, keeps up these numbers and Anaheim makes the playoffs, even if they come in fourth, I think your pick might. might turn out i i hope so like again you know it's pretty funny it's it's been actually that fourth line and the youth that have been fought, have been keeping this team afloat right. right now like we're not getting a lot from adam henrique ryan getzlaffers jakob silverberg but it, it's it's an early season um i like what they kind of have we'll, they'll grind to it you know if anything has shown in the mighty ducks movie never count out the underdogs and that note um is there anything else you like to add yeah uh ea sports okay (laughs) raise raise romanov's overall 77 i know curl kaprasov's already 83 come on let's get it let's let's get it uh let's get it over with here let's bump up that that rating a little bit come on let's Mm -hmm. be let's be nice dylan Coles as well like he's he's still like a what a 77 in the game i think so somewhere around there you know, maybe all, world junior bias there. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. You don't have world junior bias, do you? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Never. <laughs> but anyways, <sighs> that was this was fun. Yeah, it was just the two of us. Yeah, that was great. Um, hopefully we'll have Adam for next episode. Um, if you like the show, please check us out on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. If you're on Apple, please, please, please leave us a review. Give us five stars. Tell us what you loved, what you'd love to see on the show. I guess for the visual part of this episode, please check out our YouTube. Please check out Adam uh, Alex's blog. Uh, check out Adam's videos. And uh, check me out now on the eye opener confirmed in our last episode by Will Baldwin. 
So that was pretty fun. Have you read uh, your first piece? It is coming out soon. Good, good. Yes. Will, if you're hearing this, the draft is almost done. <laughs> and thank you again to Voice Ed for being an amazing platform for us. And we are open to suggestions, guys. If you want to see anything on the show, anything we covered, anything that you know sparks any more interest, please let us know because we would love to. Yeah, leave a comment. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thanks.